What a wonderful presentation we've just seen from the kids. And among those characters in the first Christmas scene, my favorite to this day is shepherds. And as I meditate on scripture uh, throughout the week, my attraction towards scripture has even increased with much affection. And this morning, as we look into the scripture, we want to find out what we can learn from the shepherds. Um, and to, to know the context, it's, it, is, it is important. So let's begin with the angel's announcement. The, first, the very first Christmas night, uh, the, the text, our text this morning is verse 1 through 20 in Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. But we'll pick up verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom, with whom he is pleased. You see, the night is the time for shepherds not only get lonely, but at the same time, vigilant. Vigilant against attacks of wolves or any, any other predators for the sheep. But it is a quiet, lonely night when it's nothing harmless, nothing harmful is happening. And just imagine in your mind, heavens opened up and angels showed up. Any, any appearance of the angels, because it's really the otherworldness, so it is really transcendent presence of glory and light, all human response was the same. Fear. So usually the first word comes out of any angel's mouth. It's a fear not. And even this angel. But Notice the, what the announcement is. I bring you good news of great joy. In old King James Version, it will say, a good tidings of joy. What's the good news of the joy? Great joy. 
For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That sentence is really loaded with much meaning. The, the city of David meant prophesied in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. The Old Testament term and New Testament Greek term will be equivalent, will be the Christ. The same meaning, Savior of the world, the Messiah. And for Jewish standpoint, this is the awaited one. This is the, the Savior they've been longing to see, to come. The beginning sentence, the beginning phrase is also quite important. For unto you, the message of Christ, a message about Christ, message, Christmas message is to each one of us. Even this morning, the message is the same. And we need to be attentive and pay attention to the fact that God is bringing this news to each one of us. To you. To you. And to you. And to me. In the city of David, Bethlehem, whether to sit David has come from, and in Christ the Lord, and this will be signed for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. So when you hear all this, the question that comes to my mind is, if this is the Christ, if this is the God-man, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, come. Who would, you, who would you choose as a recipient of this great news? So that's why in your outline that what I wrote is shepherds, God's unlikely choice. By unlikely, I mean it is kind of intuitive. Unlikely, the man will choose this. Kind of strange choice as the recipients of the goodness of great joy. The first one, and God's choice, choice was not the great Roman Empire. In the verse 1, it says, Caesar Augustus. Caesar of Augustus was perhaps more powerful than the President of the United States of America, ruled with the absolute power. And the world they known during that first century, the whole entire Asia and Europe was it. And the Roman Empire ruled. But God did not choose the great empire to reveal his announcement. Secondly, God's choice was not the great politicians, or local politicians in power. And in verse 1 and 2, mentions all this is Quirinius, at the time the governor of Syria. 
sent by Rome to rule over Jews. And the Syria meant the entire region of Israel now. Or the Herod the king or Herod the great, the Herod the first, um, who was a figurehead for the Jewish people. He was absolutely uh, serving hand for the Rome, but in, in local sense, he was still the king. God did not choose them. Thirdly, God's choice was not the great religious leaders, high priests and chief priests. Under high priests, there are many, and scribes, theologians, and writers, and Sanhedrin, the Jewish version of the religious congress. And their religious congress is also the governing congress of entire Jewish people. God did not choose them. God chose shepherds, very ordinary people. And I wouldn't even call it a middle class people, but they are the low, low class, poor, uneducated, somewhat socially despised people because they smell and because they're like a gypsy like. And around that time, the court of law didn't validate the witnesses of shepherds because that, so quote unquote, they're not trustworthy. But God has chosen them. The question is why? You see, oftentimes, even in our workplaces and even our city, even in our nation, information is the pathway to power. The more powerful you are, the more information that is exclusive to you that you have. Others don't have. The uh, U.S. President, President Obama might have press conference and in the city of Santa Ana could issue an announcement, church, I mean, citywide. But God has chosen the most common people. And the phrase that we could miss easily is this great joy, great news of great joy, good news of great joy is for all the people. Inclusive, not just Americans, but also Chinese, Iranians, Ecuadorians, Europeans, Asians, whites, and blacks. Not just the, the upper middle class, but the lower middle class. Not just pe people who are privileged, but all of us. So in that sense, this great news is not only for you and me, but if we look around, it's for everyone else. 
in our neighbor, in our family, among our friends. The question that I'm asking, that we are asking this morning, is rather more focused. Not so much about the message of the the, the, the angels uh, going into that, but how did shepherds respond to this great news? What did they do afterwards? What are the actions? And I believe the reasons why, one of the reasons why I, I, I feel attracted to the shepherds is it because of the simplicity of their action in their heart? There are at least three things that we can learn from. So once again, let's imagine that we saw this heaven opening up and you heard the announcement and suddenly the multitude, countless meaning, meaning probably really loud, glory to the highest and peace on earth. To those whom God is pleased. And all of a sudden, as suddenly as they showed up, they disappeared. Heaven closed up. And in our mind, if we don't do anything, after about a day or so, to your buddy, and you go, we just had a hallucination, right? I think we ate something too spicy. They actually did take three clear actions. The first one is this. After hearing the news about Christ, the shepherds went to see Christ for themselves. And our lesson for that is to know Christ firsthand. And I'll explain a little bit later. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You see, what it means to receive the joy of Christmas, and as a matter of fact, what it means to be a Christian is not just going to church per se. I'm glad that all of you guys came on Sunday Christian uh, Christmas Sunday morning to worship with us. I'm delighted, but that doesn't make each one of us automatically Christian. To hear the news doesn't make us Christian either. To believe some doctrinal statement doesn't make us Christian. To grow up in Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. It's a famous uh, uh, Keith Green and during 70s and 80s, I think early 80s, he, before he passed away, the young man, as he sang, and oftentimes he used to say, you go to McDonald's, that doesn't make you Big Mac. You go to church, it doesn't make you a Christian or miracle. It is true. Then what then is a really, what, that, what does it mean to be a Christian? I know many of you attend church somewhat uh, relatively, uh, consistently, 
See, what the shepherds did was a personal encounter, first-hand experience of seeing Christ in a manger. Of course, if we look at our time, there is no Christ lying in a manger as a baby. So the action of faith we could take is uh, Martin Luther, who was a the Reformation leader in 16th century, have said this. The Bible is the cradle wherein Christ is laid. As much as shepherd's action helped them to really know, verify the good news was not only true, but it's from God and of God, and it is the promised Messiah among them. We could also do going to find out ourselves. The seeing is a spiritual eyes being opened up and seeing. Have you experienced that? Have you met Jesus Christ personally and your the eyes of your heart opened up and saw he is my savior? This is what I need and this he satisfies the deepest longing of my heart. Unless we have that, we don't know Christ. We don't belong to Christ. Or do I have to do some things like in terms of continuous faithful attendance and reading Bible? No, actually that is a result of knowing Christ and seeing Christ. In Sermon on the Mount, he, he basically, Jesus basically simply said, Seek and you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened to you. The promise of the Almighty God who became a human being to save us from eternal damnation for sin and death promised anyone who seek in their truth and earnest will find me. And I'm, I'm a little kind of troubled at times and maybe you, you do also too. Sometimes the the technology of this year, I mean, this, this day and age, a social network online reveals so many different kinds of opinions and, and hot issues and different things. Have you noticed that people who bash Christ and Christianity, they usually haven't really found out themselves, haven't opened up the Bible. Or rather, it's a caricatures of cultural Jesus. It's in some, somewhat in, my, in our mind, some bad experiences with church and other things, and projected this Jesus, false Jesus, counterfeit Jesus. So in order for you to see, and for me to see, we need to go to the cradle of Christ. And as I'm meditating on this, I, I, I became really 
serious. And this is really true. And I, am des- I, I really do have a desire to create space to go to the scripture, to meet Christ, who is the center of really Christmas. Because I have a news for you from the scripture. Christmas doesn't satisfy you. Sometimes Christmas sets you up in a false expectation to put you down so hard becomes seasonal depression. So many people get dumbfounded after Christmas Day. It's December 26th. That's it? Whatever happened to the hype? Whatever happened to the pink pink cross with white Christmas? It's not white, it's hot. Christ, and Christ alone satisfy you. A deepest longing in your heart, Christ can satisfy you, and Him alone. So because of that reason, I actually got some New Testaments. For those of you who do not have a physical copy, I know you could uh, take your smartphone and read through that also too. There's something about so taking the Bible, and this is a simple New Testament. It's a thin enough. You could put it in your backpack or your purse and pop it out as you wait for your dentist. <laughs> you could read it. And I would suggest start with the Gospel of Luke because it is the Christmas season. After all, the Christmas stories that we just seen it a lot has come from the gospel of Luke and keep reading this is my christmas present for you anyone who wants it the only condition that i'm making is would you read it with open mind that's it especially for those of you who are visiting Um, I I would like to emphasize being redundant and saying I would love to have you this as long as you read this and I got only two entire Bible because they (laughs) ran out and somehow okay so first come first serve and you know (laughs) That means you, you could get the entire Bible instead of Old Testament, New Testament only. For those of us who spend time with God's Word every day, let's not think that, oh, that's not for us. No, actually, Christ is alive and well. And Christ, according to Scripture, dwells each one of us. How do you get God-centered excitement and anticipation for Christmas? Not the materialistic things, not the fun part of the parties and get-togethers and food and sweets. Meet your Savior in the cradle of Christ. Meditate. Take a walk with Him. So on this Christmas, let us see Christ 
ourselves by reading the gospel and going into, into uh, a meditation and meeting with him through scripture. Number two, after hearing the news about Christ and verifying um, and seeing um, Christ in a manger, the shepherd shared what they saw and heard from the angels. The lesson from that is we ought to spread the word about Christ. Verse 16, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made, it no, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in our hearts. You see, second thing that they did was not an obligatory thing, but an outburst of their joy and experience. And if you really see Jesus, and if you see, meet Jesus personally, you will have this natural tendency to share your joyful news. Whatever happened to you, what you saw and heard. And I still remember one of my favorite gospel songs from my teen years and even up to now. Is oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Today I met Jesus. After I wandered in darkness, Jesus Christ I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the knees of my heart. Darkness disappearing, and then heaven came down in my heart in my soul. That words were my love song. It really happened to me. The heaven came down. The angels might not have showed up like that, but really Jesus met me and then the joy of heaven came down in the depth of my soul. I still remember as a young teen, I was smiling. Back then, I had some rough adolescent years. I never smiled. Because being one of the toughest kids, it's, it's a curse if you smile. So some of my kids thought that I was on high or something. But can we do this? In this Christmas, not because we got the best gift ever. Materialistic gift. But because... We met Christ and we, we spent time with Christ in such a joy that we will ever known, never known in other things. That we could say, oh, what a wonderful day. This Christmas day, that Jesus gives me a smile. And you, newness of spirit and joy. And I'm going to go back to the point because I really want to be caring, Pastor, and 
genuine, authentic pastor. I have to repeat this over and over. If you never know, I plead with you. You need to examine your heart. You don't want to be phony and, and you don't want to be poser. Yeah, of course, you're born in some Christian family and your, your, your dad might be an elder too or a pastor. But you need a first-hand experience with Christ. That's the, what Christmas is all about. The Christmas can happen. Heaven can come down every day in our hearts with Christ. So when you think about what the shepherds did, the natural, joyful overflowing of sharing, we ought to do that. Instead of thinking about witnessing evangelism as some kind of technical things, this is what happened to me. The Christ has done to did this for me. Every other week, it's Saturday, seven o'clock in the morning, we gather, and there is a part for prayer meeting. We share praise report, and really, the people are consistently coming out, begin to see that God does answer our prayer. He hears our prayer. There is an incredible, miraculous things happen. When you have that, the joy and sharing is as easy as easy as a beggar getting a bread from somewhere else and finding another beggar who's hungry and telling them, I got this bread free over there and it is darn good. Do you have the story? Of Christ with you? And some of you do. But Christmas is the time. Go tell on the mountain that Jesus is born. That Christ is born. Tell the good news about Christ. And if you really care, for, care about your loved ones, your family members, your best friends. You would tell them. But notice there are two, 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 two different kinds of ex, ex, the responses to their sharing, their spreading the word. One crowd was amazed, excitement. Wow, that is so great. I want that. How, how come you didn't tell me before? And another crowd probably needs some time pondering. Let me think about this. Of course. We would never want to force anyone to believe anything. Because it wouldn't, wouldn't be genuine. It wouldn't last long. So would you think about it on your heart also too. God, if it's you, you are real and Christ, Christ in the Christmas is real. And all these well-meaning friends are telling me that I need to get closer to Christ. That I need to know and see Christ. I want that. I will seek you. And third and last. After hearing the news about Christ. And seeing the baby Jesus in a manger. In other words having verified the news. The shepherds returned. And glorifying and worshiping God. The lesson is. 
worship Christ with life, not only in religious services. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, and glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. You see, the phrase, the shepherds returned, I like that. We need that. They didn't linger around analyzing about the face of Jesus, baby Jesus, the manger. They didn't, didn't go into this religious, hyper-religiosity at all. They returned to their same old life, same old work, same old family, same old kids who, who have a problem with you. The difference is with new heart, new sense of joy, transformed heart. And that's what we ought to do in Christmas time. Do you have a big gathering? And many of us have a two, three family gatherings because of in-laws and other ones also too. Maybe the parties still coming, your company parties or your Friends want to get together for Christmas celebration. When you do get together, it's the same old people, same old brokenness, same old dysfunctionalism in your family. But would you come with the newness of Christ's joy? Not because they have changed for the better, not because the situation or finance has gotten better, but because your heart is changed, that you could actually bring the new zest and joy and joy and, and a fruit of the Holy Spirit into that situation. I believe this is most powerful witness to those whom we consider closest because they know us. Our relatives and friends, close friends, they know our, our hearts inside out. But when we begin to live out this joy, oh, what a powerful Christmas, Christmas message it will be. So, as much as Shepherds were simple people. Their actions were simple. They went to see for themselves. They tell the good news and spread the word. And they worshipped, not in a religious format only, but also in their everyday life. We are to do these three things. But I, I can't help but think about the things that we cannot do. Because in Christianity, in the scripture talks about the perfect and holy God. Like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of glory of God. So in other words, even with our good efforts, 
and religious effort or even moral behaviors and effort, no one can achieve to reaching to God. It will be like swimming, trying to swim to Hawaii. And the Bible talks about this strange word. It's common, but and then rarely, very few people understand. By grace, you have been saved. Grace requires two things. That it is free, unmerited. You cannot earn it by your effort. So no one can swim to Hawaii. That means you can't really earned and I'm good enough for God to accept me. No. And then the second therefore in order for you to experience grace that you don't deserve it. For those who do not deserve God gave his life, his son which costed him everything but freely to us. And the Bible talks about this as a sovereign grace of God. It is His work opening the eyes of our heart. So that's why I close with this prayer. I would call it a Christmas prayer for you. Unlikely Christmas prayer because it doesn't sound like Christmas at all. But in light of what we have seen and heard and witnessed and learning from shepherds, at the heart of it is seeing Christ with the eyes of our heart. So my prayer for you and your loved one is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through 23. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, And of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Maybe some of you are going through a tough time financially, and maybe one of, one of your loved ones sick, and my brother has a, something like a brain cancer. The Christmas gathering... Um, there's sorrow there's sadness in my heart 
I'll, I'll, I'll be honest about that. But the joy of Christ, when our eyes, the spiritual eyes are opened up, Christ is bigger than cancer. Christ is bigger than financial problem, your family problem, marriage problem. And as soon as you get to experience the joy of Christ, this will give you peace. Nothing else can. It, it is all conditional and circumstantial. But Christ, this is the best part of Christ, Christmas. If we ask Him earnestly and seek Him, He will open the eyes of our heart. So would you seek Him and see Him yourself and tell them about your, your experience and your word about Christ? And worshiping in everyday life. Let's, oh Father, thank you for this morning and your scripture that opens our eyes. And we pray that this Christmas it will be special. Not because things go well in our ways and we get good gifts and no one's sick. But because Christ is opening our eyes. And letting us to taste the living water and the joy, the depth of our souls. Make us real in our relationship with you. And we seek you and we want to see you. We thank you so much for coming to give your life ransom for many. Pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.